I've always loved the saying, be the kind of woman who make other women want to up their game. Lori Thomas is definitely one of these women. Lori is the Senior Vice President of Strategic Engagement and Transformation for Mattel, a leading provider of IP and mobile-enabled communication services for enterprise and government customers. As Senior VP, she oversees a team of professionals who manage client relations and assist clients to fully optimize savings and operational benefits of Mattel's telecom and tech solutions. Lori has over 20 years of experience working for Fortune 50 organizations, serving as the global head of sales and professional services. She has served as a board member for Vodafone, Global Enterprises Telecoms Management. She has held multiple executive positions at leading financial and telecom organizations. Lori has and continues to be a speaker at multiple business conferences and summits. In 2016, CRN, Women of the Channel's Leadership Network, asked that year's Women of the Channel to identify their female role models. Lori was recognized as an honoree of Women in the Channel Awards, which recognizes the top women whose channel expertise and visions are outstanding. In the 2019 American Business Awards, the premier business award program in the USA, Lori led her team to win a coveted Stevie Award in the customer engagement category for its industry-leading annual innovation summit. This summit is designed to help Mattel's enterprise customers envision plan for future trends and technologies. The award recognizes the exceptional emphasis Mattel places on customer interaction and service qualities largely valued by enterprise clients. Lori is greatly respected for her talent, quick wit, innovation, magnetic business style, and passion in her work. That said, Lori Thomas is someone who will make any other woman or man up their game. Welcome, Lori. Welcome, Lori. Hi, guys. Thank you so much. And I I just want to say it's been such a long time since I actually physically saw you both. We got together in December of, oh my gosh, 2019. So just over a year ago, we were at the Mattel customer loyalty event and we were taking some of our best customers to a a Billy Joel concert at Madison Square Garden, COVID free in the skybox, having a great time. And and Max, the last time I saw you, which I talk to you often, was um, the end of February at our technology summit. And I can't believe how the world has changed so much since I physically saw you both. So it's great to be here and it's great to hear both your voices. And I hope I get to see you both. Yeah, I, likewise. I see you virtually all the time. But yeah, I can't believe it's actually almost been a year. It's wild. It's wild. Max tells me you have one of the toughest jobs at Mattel. You and your team work diligently to maintain the relationships of the largest customers and keep them happy and informed with regular stewardship meetings. How did you end up in this specific line of work? Wow, that's that's an interesting question. So I... I, I started out actually very long, long time ago in customer service. And, you know, looking back, I, I would never trade it. I, I had the ears on, as I called them, the headset. And, you know, I was that person that would just look at folks that really inspired me in leadership positions and it moved me. And I felt, and I really believed if I work hard enough, you know, ultimately I can get there. And I think that just being in customer service, being on those front lines in the early days to work with customers directly, there were so many skills that it prepared you for in terms of, you know, having to think quickly on your feet and having empathy for the customer. You know, we were the front line. So we, we would often hear when a product went bad, when a feature went bad, when the billing was wrong, you know, pricing, new pricing that was rolled out, new plans, 
all of that, you know, if you really cared and were passionate, enabled you to be so uniquely positioned to move about the industry and, and other parts of the business, which which it actually did. And from there, I went on to pretty much every role there was in the organization and in the industry. I worked at startups that went public. I worked at um, small privately held companies that got acquired and then, you know, some industry leading giants. And I think the the common factor in all of that was technology and telecommunications, but also the customer. And for me, I think that, you know, I'm really proud of being able to talk to customers, more importantly, listen to them and, and hear what they need and be able to solve those problems. And I think as my career developed um, and, and I started working with C-level customers on real transformational projects, it was very rewarding to see how they actually change, change lives, change, change their whole yeah. companies and business. So that's- I guess uh, when, you start, when you start your career taking the call with something or when everything goes bad, you can pretty much do everything after that. That's got to be right. one of the toughest jobs in any company. Exactly. Right. You develop, you develop, I don't want to say thick skin, but you develop, you know, not only empathy, but kind of, you don't want to hear that call again. So you really want to resolve problems and it does all get easier. It's all downhill after that. It's true. <laughs> I remember just as the pandemic was starting, Max was coming back from one of your award-winning customer innovation summits. And I remember Max sent me a selfie of him with a llama. I mean, it was cute, weird, it was, oh, but it was cute. I love that llama. Was it a llama? By the way, was it a llama or an alpaca? I think it was an alpaca and it scared me. And I have to say, you know, I, I felt like I don't like animals. I really do, but having it there live and everyone like hugging it and taking selfies of it, I was just afraid I'd be the one that walks over to it and it like spits or something. So I, I kept my distance from the alpaca. But it really was difference? Is that the difference between a llama and an alpaca one spits and one doesn't one makes a really nice sweater i think I that's know. the alpaca <laughs> how do you address from that level of engagement with customers to where we are today living on these video conferences from our home yeah i will say for for my role in strategic engagement and really any type of customer interaction and service you know it takes on a whole new meaning when you put it in the context of the pandemic yeah. and i think you know in my in my whole world of uh, network, personal and professional, I can say I don't know one person that was not truly impacted by COVID. And I think that working with customers now in this virtual environment, it's so important to really understand what's happening in their personal lives. If you know them well in their, certainly in their business life, you know, is the company doing okay? How is their workforce? Is it being significantly impacted? You know, what are their revenues shrinking or growing? Whatever those issues are, I think that in, in for, for us, at least at Mettel, shifting gears overnight like everyone else to having to go yes. to a virtual standpoint and not be with our customers in person, it was really important to make sure that we gave them relevant content, that they could trust us to be sensitive to their time, because like all the rest of us, they were dealing with, whether it was their partners or spouses or kids trying to learn, whatever those issues were, and try and do their jobs remotely. I think it's really important that when we would schedule time and when we do schedule time with them, it's it's we can give them uh, strategies 
to help their business. And really, truly, I could say that Metel, you know, in particular, when we worked with our customers, the ones that were really financially strained, we tried to give them strategies, immediate strategies that could gain efficiencies or cut costs and really help our stakeholders. And I think that was important. I think, too, we also had them meet each other and we weren't afraid to put our customers together. You know, sometimes people don't want to do that, you know, keep them at arm's length. They might say something they don't want to hear, but they really enjoyed that. And and Max, you know, we had some really great and engaging sessions where they could hear strategies from each other on what worked or what Love didn't. That. You know, yeah, that, that to me is always the, the favorite part. As much as I like to talk and as much as a lot of the other folks at Metel love to talk, there's nothing greater than having our customers actually uh, coming up with concepts for each other, finding solutions for each other. And I always just found that, like you said, just everyone's kind of going through the same thing. And there's there's such great camaraderie there, but then them getting on and saying, oh, I just found a solution to this technology problem. And it may or may not have anything to do with Metal, but just having that access, having that forum, I think is probably the most powerful thing in having those gatherings with our customers. Absolutely. The wine tasting events went over well, too. <laughs> but, There's nothing wrong yeah. with introducing just a little yeah. bit of alcohol. That, that helps That helps especially during this pandemic. Lori, in many professions, I always find a certain dynamic interesting, especially when it comes to women. Why is it you think that women in high-performing roles tend to eat their own young? I personally would often see this in nursing, and I never understood it. Now, why aren't women supporting and empowering each other more? Would you say building a sisterhood in a mostly male-dominated industry was a challenge or is a challenge? The quick answer is yes, I do. If I'm completely candid, being in the male-dominated field for really my entire career was not always easy, particularly in the early days of trying to come up through the organization. And sadly, to your point. I didn't see, I didn't have many female co-workers, certainly not a lot of women in leadership roles, but often the women that were there were, wouldn't look at each other as allies or as a support right. system, but more, much more competitive mm-hmm. because they were vying for a certain role or slot or a nod to, to, to get a promotion. And that that's really sad. And I think, you know, I've, I have been very fortunate. It didn't come by chance. I sought it out, but I've been very fortunate to have women uh, that were had more seniority whether they were in my organization or outside it, take me kind of under their wing and really help and coach and provide a touchstone. And I think today, more than ever, particularly now um, during COVID and some of the additional challenges women are facing, it's so important to seek out associations and network groups and support groups for like-minded women that want to succeed, but but support one another rather than knock each other down or be in that competitive type environment. That's interesting. I, I actually always found it just in, in my own career for both men and women. For some reason, I always find that people don't like to hire someone that they think is going to replace them. And I've always actually taken a completely opposite view. I've always hired people that I thought were good enough to replace me and that actually yielded more success versus trying to bring someone in that I don't feel is as highly qualified. But I see that obviously with men as well. There's always this element of I'm not going to you know, give you that leg up in order to protect my position or protect my, mm. uh, my career path. 
Oh, it's such a great point. I mean, I do remember now that you said it, one of my coaches telling me, you need to put yourself out of your job. You need, you're never going to go up unless someone can take your place. And you said it. And a lot of people I don't, I think are intimidated by that or other people. And, and uh, so it's a great point. It's a great lesson for someone uh, looking to go into leadership roles. I'd like to ask you just on the heel of that question. It's historically been said that sadly, there are really only a few female leadership role models. Coming up in your career, who would you say was the biggest influence or role model you looked up to? There's a few that I I certainly can talk about, but I'll start right at home. And it's very personal and very impactful to me. You know, I grew up in a family that you know, my my grandparents were immigrants and they, you know, English was not their first language. And, you know, my grandmother, starting with my grandmother, she really was a matriarch. And coming from that background and being born actually in the 1800s, if you can believe it, she always was such a supporter and my grandfather of women and getting our degrees and going on in business and always having a voice. And, you know, if I look at all the women in my family, you know, they they went on to do great things, but they also instilled in all of their children and grandchildren and great grandchildren to, you know, never stop learning. And even my mother-in-law, who's 90 now, just got her undergraduate degree. And so I've had, yeah, they actually, she was just uh, in in the New New Jersey papers and they they actually are having a scholarship in her name now. So on both sides, my, my family and my husband's family, there are such amazing women role models that always, you know, this, this thirst for learning and always wanting to better yourself. And so I think, you know, growing up in that environment, that was my first and most influential role models, uh, for sure, my grandmother and my mother. And then, you know, in the business world, one of the mentors that I had, you know, she was an executive at Verizon, and she was someone that had to put herself through her undergraduate. She put herself to get her MBA. She went on to get her law degree and then went on to lead huge, huge organizations. And she was one of those people that always, you know, told me you have to seek out, you have to be your biggest advocate. You have to seek out what you want and then find people that are going to help you get there. And those those little bits of wisdom and instilling confidence needs to come from yourself and then finding people that will always foster it, I think was the biggest influences on me. Women empowering women through generations. I love it. In 2018 and 2019, again, two years in a row, Meta was a recipient of a Timmy Award, which recognizes them as New York City's best tech workplace diversity And I will say being part of a company that's recognized for this is pretty amazing. As a strong woman in your field, it might be difficult and to frequently find yourself in a setting with mostly men, often consuming large amounts of alcohol. (laughs) Like the event we were talking about when we started this. (laughs) I, I was lucky enough to have accompanied Max to an amazing work event that I believe you ran, not necessarily this one that we had set. But after a few hours of an open bar, the night definitely took an interesting turn for some of the guests. So how do you moderate a crowd while allowing the, for the client to interact and mesh with the other clients? It seems like the line could get quickly a little fuzzy, like some of the customers that may have been Is in the Is it blurry? Crowd. Blurry or fuzzy? <laughs> I don't know, but... Yes, 
Well, <laughs> I think it's both. I think it can be blurry and fuzzy and all things in between. And I will say, well, I certainly love to socialize with my customers, many of whom are friends and our partners. Uh, some things I've learned over time was to always make sure that they are having a good time. But you, you, you know, you're working. You're working. You can enjoy yourself, but you, you can't be blurry and fuzzy when when they are because oftentimes. As it gets late, you need to keep everything where it should be and make sure nothing uh, goes in the wrong way or goes sideways. And and I'll say that knowing your customers truly, getting to know them well, is really one key aspect of having a successful event and knowing who are going to be the attendees, what are they interested in, not just in your customer base, your partner base, the employees that you invite to also help moderate and socialize and network. I think knowing all the dynamics, and again, you need to be relevant. I mean, if everyone is there for business, they're going to be interested in the subject matter you have to present, assuming you do your homework. But then after that, you really want them to have a good time and be able to, they're there to socialize. And we've been so fortunate. Max, I know, we'll, we'll, I believe we'll say the same. Every event that we've had, we don't have to do that much work at the end because our customers really like being with one another and they've become friends yep. over the years and it's, it's really made for a, a very nice um it, it's it's almost like going to a party at a friend's where you're just looking forward to it to seeing each other again and they want to hear what they're up to and what they're doing in their their own organization and what their enterprise is deploying so it, it's been really nice but you do have to <laughs> stay sober enough to make sure the people that might have went a little bit off the rails are uh, contained <laughs> it, it is like it's definitely like like a reunion and I do remember in that event that you joined me on that uh, you kept telling me to go get water bottles. She's like, that person over there needs a water bottle. I appreciate being there. I did see that it must get difficult to... See? Empathy. Yes. Yes. Empathy. <laughs> yes. Make sure you have uh, a, a lot of co-workers around to help uh, deal with things that might yeah. go a little sideways. Yeah, definitely. COVID-19 has sadly affected all areas of the industry and research shows that working women are the most negatively affected. There's a major discrepancy in work-home life balance. Family roles have had to adjust, leaving women the first to give something up. How would you say your work-home life balance has changed as a working mother and wife? For most of Max and my marriage, Lori, Max was out of the house for about 14 to 15 hours a day. So to stay... To say being together in the house has been an adjustment is an understatement. Well, this is this this definitely strikes a chord close to home. Uh, you know, just broadly, it's interesting. Just two days ago, I was involved in a um, uh, online webinar discussion, and and there was a statistic that said just in I think August and September of last year alone, there was over 1.1 million folks had left the workforce, and it, 860,000 plus of those were women. So it wow. was it was a clear indicator and that was just 2 months out of covid, you know, not the year and a half we've been dealing with, but they they often um you know, as you mentioned, are the primary caretakers or people that might be sick or dealing with issues or, you know, the children, etc. So, you know, just statistically you see that in mass and then much closer to home, <laughs> it has been a very interesting um Interesting ride for sure for our family. You know, I probably 
didn't necessarily have the most traditional role, in, you know, in quotes, in that for the last probably 15 years at least, maybe 20 of my professional career, I spent literally on a plane every week. So that, you know, myself and my team were, you know, part of the largest group of road warriors in the company. And I was used to working virtually on the road. And when I wasn't on a plane or seeing customers throughout the country or the world, I would be home and working there to try and figure out my life balance. Fast forward to March 10th, and I remember it because it was the night before my husband's birthday, and I had to fly home quickly from our innovation summit to, of course, be there for the next day. From that day on, and literally, I have not left my hometown here in Connecticut since. So, you know, I went from 150,000 mile plus a year airline miles to zero, to put it in perspective. That's insane. I had no idea what was going on in my house. (laughs) But um, I know. It was it was a huge change. A lot a lot of things were wonderfully for the better in that, you know, I've I've gotten to spend so much more time with my children and and my folks who are, you know, in their late 80s and and care for them and things that I would have never been able or or done before because I I was always on the road. So that was very different. But there was a lot of there's a lot of sacrifice all around in the the whole family, just getting used to each other all the house got tremendously smaller once COVID hit, you know, and everyone had to be respectful of that. One thing that's definitely an adjustment is when you're in the kitchen and your spouse is standing in your spot. There's a spot. You have Everyone a spot. Everyone has a spot, Max. Everyone drinks their coffee and talks to their kids and maybe reads the news in their spot. But you know what? You could stand in my spot any day, honey. <laughs> no, I man. You could stand in mine. <laughs> Two years ago, I stopped counting at week 29 on how many weeks Max had been away in just that one year. Even our kids were asking, when is dad going to be here this week? When is he leaving? So I guess, you know, (laughs) this time together has definitely been a silver lining that we're all getting to really get to know each other. (laughs) A lot of family time. (laughs) Lots of family time for sure. On, On a more serious note, Lori, just to continue on what you were just sharing with us on your mileage, Uh, My extensive travel as well over the last 20 years did bring some benefits to our family. Uh, Elite status on every airline and every hotel meant great family vacations with free airfare and hotel upgrades. So my question is, how's your elite status doing these days? Oh, it's it's a sad, it's a sad, sad topic. I will say, you know, kudos to the travel industry. I think they're really trying to encourage business professionals who did, you know, make a large part of their career on the road. They're trying to keep all the status. Thank goodness. That being said, um, you know, the next trip we take, whenever that may be, I can't even picture it right now, but I know it'll come someday. We might deplete all our miles and, you know, I guess we'll start from scratch, but they did keep status. So that's good. That's good. that, that is actually great. I've actually, I don't know if this has happened to you. I've been waking up in a cold sweat from a recurring dream where an airline desk representative looks at me and says, I'm sorry, sir, but you're zone number six and cannot board oh. until everyone else has. Oh my gosh, I'm getting cold sweats. <laughs> That's terrible. That's terrible. Oh my God, yes. Max, you used to travel extensively to meet customers. 
And so, Lori, how do you navigate traveling as well and adapt to this new schedule as a strategic engagement executive when you can't meet and socialize with the customers? I know you had mentioned before a virtual meeting that went on, but are these virtual events really a thing? They are. It's been a little bit of trial and error to figure out right, what the right combination is. I think you know, as, as I mentioned, our customers, our executive customers that we work with are going through the same exact thing we just talked about or joked about. You know, they're dealing with their own work-life balance and their own staff being remote and their own connectivity issues at home and so on. So I think that we have found the right balance of continuing our weekly bi-weekly or monthly meetings with our customers virtually now on, on a video conference, but we keep them short, we keep them to the point, we keep them relevant, and we make sure we're arming them with things that are really going to help them transform their business. And then quarterly uh, biannually, we're we're peppering in virtual events like the wine tasting that I mentioned, uh-huh. and some other some other um, fun kind of summits that they can attend that they don't just see um, their friends and partners at Mettel, but they're also seeing industry expertise from other aspects so that they get some really amazing keynote speakers and they get to do it out of the comfort of their home. So we, while we might have had a hard time getting a couple of hundred of our key customers flying out to you know Arizona or California for three days to spend with us, we have a whole new pool of executives that are willing to spend time with us virtually because we're only asking for a few hours of their time. So I think it's important to just reinvent. Now's the time to just reimagine how how to engage with them and and talk to them and see what what works best and that's that's pretty much what we've been doing. Yeah, it is it is really interesting because I've attended a bunch of these oh, yes. for for other vendors as well and obviously for Metal and everyone has a little bit of a different spin. But I feel like we're starting to figure it out. I feel like for me, it's it's exactly the way Lori just described it. It's no longer a week or three days worth of travel to and from an event. It's one hour or it's two hours and that's the event. And I get a lot more out of it because I get that engagement. You know, I get almost kind of, kind of like that mini reunion to be able to talk to old friends yeah. and it's, and, and then I can just be done and I'm, I'm home for dinner. You know, right? a few months ago, it was an awful day here. And I think, I think the house was imploding. Um, The kids were all fighting, the dogs were barking, the phone was ringing. I literally wanted to scream and cry at the same time. And I walk outside to our yard to find Max with his headphones on, completely unaware of Armageddon going on behind him, like 30 feet from his back, just hanging out with a spread of cheese and crackers and a bottle of wine and happy and chill. Apparently, he was in this virtual happy hour. <laughs> it, it was amazing. And I only have four words for you on how to cope. It's called Bose noise-canceling headphones. Nice. nice. <laughs> it's amazing. The, the wine helped as well. I think I need both of those. but <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. Uh, in, in previous episodes, we've spoken about whether the new norm is is really temporary. This is really going to be the springboard to changing how companies do business long term. I'm I'm curious, Lori, what's your prediction on what customer engagement looks like in the future? Clearly, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but there are certain things that I feel 
that the pandemic created in customer or people's behaviors that will not go back. So for example, my parents are a great example. They would have never had a teledoc visit being in their late 80s, not very technology savvy. You know, they wanted to sit in the office with their doctor. But because of the pandemic, they had to get used to that. And they did. And actually, they really enjoy it now. They don't have to go out in the cold. They don't have to drive to the doctors. They don't have to wait in a waiting room with other sick people. They can sit, have their visit, be done and go have lunch. And you know, I think that's one little example that people are, are going to, you know, their behaviors have changed or online shopping, curbside pickup, all those things are conveniences as, you know, I think the pandemic took digital transformation, what we were thinking of it in maybe a three to five year period and collapsed it virtually overnight and forced organizations to adopt new technologies very quickly for the, for the better in many ways. And I think from a organizational standpoint, you know, you've got hundreds of millions of dollars being spent on corporate real estate that frankly isn't being used or not to the fullest. And I think that people have, while challenging, certainly at times and sometimes not optimal with customers, people have also enjoyed being able to work from home, often put more hours in, not have a three hour round trip commute and instead use that productively for their job. And also, be in their office, maybe on a call, but get to see their kids go on the bus. So I think, you know, people are not going to necessarily want to go back to full time being in the office if they don't have to be. I you know, I think certain jobs for sure need, you know, need more interaction more regularly. But I my my prediction is it will be some combination of at home virtual with a smaller amount in the office. Right. That's interesting. So so do you see it as really a positive outcome of all this i mean the technology side obviously has been has been a huge shift from a time perspective when like you said from 3 to 5 years to you know last year now but for you personally have, have has this been has, it, has there been positives that have come out of this now, my, my husband and my kids may tell you different. They're actually looking at their watch going, Mom, when, when are you flying again? I'm trying to get you on the well, let me, I, I can say, Lori, that Max, after being on the road constantly for most of his con- career, really enjoys being home, as you can tell, with his wife and kids. It's a, it's a blessing. I mean, honey. he knows their names. He knows where they go to school now. He knows what grade they're in. And do you know that one of the schools is at the end of our street? <laughs> and I, I shouldn't laugh, but it is true. I mean, I remember going into my oldest Nate son's classroom for some event. This was a couple of years ago now. And the little kids came running up to me saying, I didn't know Nate had a mommy. <laughs> it was all, it was, you know, my husband was, you know, who is a working professional also, but he went to all the events 99% of the time because I was always flying. Now I'm actually, for the first time ever, a room parent. And, you oh, know, most God. of my friends and family are like, what? You're, a, how did that ever happen? So it, you know, it definitely presented opportunities from a, from a family perspective, a work-life balance for me that I really never had before, which is, which is wonderful. And while I, I, I am thinking in, ready to start meeting customers, although I don't think they're quite ready yet. Um, You know, I I think I start to see that coming. I don't think it will ever go back to the, the, the same type of frequency that we had before, because I think now people can use virtual meetings 
when when a, when a whole big visit isn't necessary. Yeah, there's definitely a huge benefit to that. I mean, personally, I've taken advantage of all the the additional hours I've gained by not commuting four hours a day. Uh, I've even started learning how to play the guitar with all this free time so good. On, my, on my hands. So I see, I see. There's definitely benefits to going through this transformation earlier than we all anticipated, and I'm I'm obviously trying to make the best of it and and enjoying every moment with my wife and family. Yeah, that's awesome. And Erica, is that when you put on the noise canceling headphones? The noise canceling headphones. <laughs> I'm expecting a full serenade for Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, Lori, my big question for you is, when is your next in-person event? Are you allowing spouses to be invited? And are the rumors true that it will be in Hawaii? <laughs> when will be the next event? I see that being in the first quarter of 2022. Okay. I will tell you spouses are allowed if we keep that just between us. I do love my husband, but no I'm too much of a nervous, nervous basket case when I'm running the event. But yes, of course, they are always invited to the social events. And I think Hawaii is a fantastic yeah. recommendation. I don't know if that's rumor or that's uh, underway, but I, I will be a big proponent for that. I heard something about Maui. Could just be a rumor though. I, that's where my honeymoon was 20 years ago. So I'm, I'm ready to go back. I'm ready to go back. That's amazing. Yeah. We love, we love Hawaii. So now I'd like to play this or that that I like to do where I'm going to ask you two things. And really quickly, you just say which one is the first one that you would choose. You're right. I'm ready, I think. Okay. All right. Dress up or dress down? Dress up. Twitter or Facebook? Facebook. Text or call? Text. Zoom call or in-office meeting? Ah, in-office meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Keynote speaker or a speaker on a panel? Speaker on a panel. Have no internet or have no phone? Have no phone. Aisle seat or window seat? Aisle. Jerry Maguire or pretty woman? Jerry Maguire. Afternoon cross-country flight in economy or cross-country red-eye in business? Red-eye in business. <laughs> Netflix or Amazon? Uh, Netflix. Showing up early or coming in hot? Coming in hot. <laughs> Devil Wears Prada or Sex in the City? That's a hard one. Sex in the City. I love them both. I don't know. People quote me with the, that's all. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that one. Diamonds or pearls? Diamonds. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Alexa or Siri? Alexa. Always early or always late? Always late. <laughs> Dunkin' or Starbucks? Starbucks. Shopping store or online? Online. Small town or city? City. Beach or snow? Beach. Fame and fortune or love and wisdom? Love and wisdom. That brings us to deal, drinks, delete. That's where I ask you or I'll give you three choices and you have to decide who are you going to have a drinks with who would you like to make a deal with and who are you going to just delete? Are you ready? Goodness. Oh my goodness. Okay. Melinda Gates, Sarah Blakely, the entrepreneur and founder of Sphinx and Cheryl Sandberg, COO of Facebook. Oh my gosh. I'm forgetting the people you said already. Who is the first one? <laughs> this, is, this happens to me, by the way, all the time. I'll say it again. All right. You're going to do it again fresh. Do it again fresh. 
Melinda right. Gates, was it? Yeah. yeah. Melinda Gates, Sarah Blakely from Spanx, and Cheryl Sandberg, COO of Facebook. Drinks with Gates, deal with Sandberg. Oh, well, I, I delete Spanx. <laughs> oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I'm under pressure. I really would like to have drinks with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> we do, we like to no, no reflection of what I typically want to do, but okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lori, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. It was really great talking to you, and we look forward to seeing you again soon in Hawaii. (laughs) Hawaii, it's a deal. Well, that's a wrap. If you have any questions on what we've discussed or something you would like to hear more about, please email us at techieandtheblonde at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, and please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. (laughs) 